0: Leaves you tired and worn. All your strength is gone, and your heart feels torn. bow our heads together that's how you're feeling this morning the water's a little too deep and you want to lift up your hand and reach out to his and put your hand in his and say Lord hold on to me you help me to walk on these waters I can't do it on my own give me courage this morning come meet my need that's drowning me it's pulling me down help me Lord Jesus Heavenly Father Lord my own hands are raised Lord There's so many times, and even right now, Lord, I feel like I'm drowning. But, Lord Jesus, you are the one, the great overcomer, Lord. Lord, you've made us more than conquerors by faith in you, Lord Jesus. Father, we put our trust in you once again this morning, asking you to lift us up this morning. Raise us into heavenly places, Lord. Cause us to have fellowship with you this morning. Lord, we've come and we've worshiped, Lord, from our hearts, not just in lip service as man-pleasers, but, Father, from our hearts, we've come to sing your praises, Lord. We've come to call on your name, Lord. We thank you for healing, Brother Lloyd, oh God. Thank you for the testimony, Lord Jesus. All is well. All is well. We thank you, Father. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Thank you for Brother Ron Spencer, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Lord, we're looking to you, oh God, that you'd finish the work, Lord. Father, may the report come back this week as good report. Lord, we put it in your hands, Lord. We thank you for men of faith that would gather together when one could chase a thousand to ten thousand. Father, how much more can three chase? How much more can four? Lord, we come together this morning in one mind, in one accord. Many of us this morning, Lord, gathered together in the in the name of Jesus Christ, you promised that you would be here, Lord, to come to scatter the enemy, Lord, to destroy the enemy, that there wouldn't be one left, to go back to hell to take their own things. But, Lord, may you come and give a complete victory this morning. Oh, Jesus, we're looking to you, Father, for I truly am unable in myself, but your Holy Spirit is here. You are here, Lord, to meet every need. Oh, if we just believe only believe all things are possible oh Jesus how we love you we love you Lord pray you be with brother Ed today too Lord as he'd be ministering the word having just finished his four services in two days oh father strengthen the man Lord give him a rest oh God and a peace in his mind and continue Lord to anoint him oh God use him for your glory and for your honor we put him in your hands in love Lord In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's take our Bibles together. Turn to 1 Corinthians this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. like to carry on this morning from as wednesday as i said we would just be laying a, a bit of a foundation for this morning so if you missed it i'm sorry that's not my fault but uh, we're going to carry on with wisdom by revelation part three and uh, we'll take a subtitle of wisdom of a expected end that would be part two so we're going to just carry on and ask the lord for mercy this morning 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, "Howbeit be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. For we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory amen may the lord his blessing to the word you may be seated if you turn also with me over in your bible to hebrews the fourth chapter a very familiar scripture to us all hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 it says for the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, for all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen. Now I want to just start in this way as we are taking this subject again, carrying on in the, the wisdom of an expected end, and begin here that Christ knows all things. As He is the Word, and He He is the Word is sharp, it's quick, it's powerful, but it divides asunder both the soul and spirit. It knows the thoughts, if sometimes we get confused in ourselves, was that from God, was that not from God, was that in my soul, was that in my mind, was that my spirit, what's happening, was that me or was that something else, did something affect me, did I dream a dream or did did, was God giving me a dream or was that a vision, was it not a vision, but he says God knows. God divides and he's able to divide us under the soul and the spirit. He's able to go right down. He knows the difference between your thoughts and the intents of your heart. In other words, he knows what you're thinking in your heart versus what you're thinking in your mind. He can tell the difference when it comes from your heart because God looks on the heart of man. And sometimes we might have a thought that would not be pleasing to God, but we immediately cast it down we immediately turn it down because we're not looking to be displeasing to God. We as Christians want to be pleasing to God. We want to live a life and not just live it, but think thoughts because our thoughts speak louder in heaven than our words speak here on earth. So we want our thoughts to be pleasing to God. But God even looks at that and he says, I know the difference between the thoughts of your heart or who you really are and the difference between that and the thoughts of your mind when something would affect you and your spirit... And you would immediately think a thought. We thank the Lord that it's maybe not in our thoughts that when we're driving down the road and someone cuts us off, we immediately think a thought. That's not the thoughts of your heart. That's because you've been affected by something. God knows the difference. And he immediately is able to have grace. Because why? Oh, I didn't mean to think that. Why, Why did that come to my mind? Why, why did I think that thought? That's because there's a human part to each one of us until we become no longer human, until we take on immortality. In other words, we'll, there will always be that human side to us where the, the circumstances of this world affect us in our, in our minds and in our spirit. But I thank the Lord that's not the controlling portion of our bodies. The controlling portion is in the soul. It is a control tower in there that you can have a contact. That's why prayer is so important to stay in touch with what's on the inside of you. The part that God's looking at so that that would be able to reign even in those kinds of circumstances that affect you in your mind and in your flesh that will cause you to think an evil thought. But something else would take over right away. Why? Because there's a control tower that takes over right away. Christ be to God. Because His word is a discerner, and it also says, as we read in 1 Corinthians, or 2nd, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where it says, "Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. He begins to speak in this way, saying we're speaking wisdom, not amongst a bunch of idiots. We're speaking wisdom amongst those that are perfect. And none of us are perfect in our minds. I just proved that. That you immediately have a thought that takes you somewhere. You think, oh, why did I think that? It proves you and yourself are not perfect. But he says we're speaking wisdom now. And not just the wisdom of man. It's the hidden wisdom which is of God, which is from above. We speak that to those that are perfect. In other words, it is a wisdom that goes beyond your spirit. It goes down into your soul. Because that's where the perfection lays. Is where the spirit of God dwells. Now let's go over, let's start this way into James chapter 3. For those of you who have wondered when I was going to get to this scripture speaking on wisdom, we're here now. James chapter 3, verse 13. It says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now that's also a good conversation, also goes back to good conduct. James, I love James, as Brother Branham calls James, the representative of hope. He's a good pastor. Where he basically says, you know, we know that Paul says you're saved by faith. And and, and with faith without works, though, is dead. And Paul says it's not by works, it's by faith. But James says, show me your works. See, so what is it? James begins to look at it and say, you got faith? Prove it. You got wisdom? Prove it. That's the good pastor right there. He's look, I said, all right, you think you're somebody? Now prove it. Show it by a good conduct. Show it by a good conversation. I'm not going to just lift you up because you happen to say something smart one time. Instead of I got wisdom. I got a gift of wisdom. If there's one wise among you, let him show it. Out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. Now, meekness is to be a mild temper, but more than that, it's not easily provoked or irritated. The Bible would call Moses the meekest man. And all the earth. Why? Because he was not easily provoked. How many of us the first time or second time the murmuring happened would just snap? But Moses just kept going back to God. Moses just kept going back to God. Even his own sister and brother come to him. My, some of us, myself included, would have been like, what's wrong with you? Well, what are you talking about? Haven't you seen what God has done? Look, let me show you testimony after testimony after testimony. And you're still coming to me saying that you're somebody? God's using me for this season. I'm God's gift to you. Can't you see this? But Moses didn't do that. He was the meekest man. He wasn't easily provoked. He wasn't even hard provoked. It was very, very difficult to provoke him. The meekest man, what is meekness? It's that way. Show his works with meekness of wisdom. Next verse, Brother Mark. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Now this is, goes beyond now, once again. He's not talking about in your mind. He's going right down into your hearts where there's real wisdom. He says, I'm not concerned about, you'd take a thought or you'd envy somebody for a moment or you'd take something, someone drives up with a beautiful new pickup truck and you're like, ooh, that's nice. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about envying in your hearts where it's a constant controlling uh, uh, spirit in your life that's driving you every day out of envy for something that someone else has. Why do you do what you do? But it says this, envying in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. Well, I would never lie against the truth, brother Andrew. No, not knowingly. But when it's envying in your heart, you say, "Oh no, I don't envy that brother. Oh no, no, that's not what made me do this. Oh no, 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 no I'm just a good Christian. God has just blessed me." Are you sure? Yeah. What's in your heart? Yeah. Next verse, brother Mark it says, "This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish." That's harsh. That's a good pastor's message. It doesn't descend from above. I'm not going to preach on don't I? I'm not the pastor. But it comes from this. It comes from earthly, devilish, sensual. There's something that's driving a person to do something from the heart. Next one. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion. And every evil work. There's so much confusion, even amongst people today. Why isn't God blessing me like that person over there? Number one, why are you looking at that person over there? God's not blessing you like that person because you're not that person. You're you. He's going to bless you like you. (laughs) Amen. Who's trying to be like your brother or your sister. Well, he gave them a nice car. He gave them a nice house. No, but God gave you a nice wife. And God gave you a nice husband. And they've got in their house something else going on. Because you don't know all the circumstances. You're just looking at it over here. There's this confusion. Why isn't God doing this for me? and God doing that for me? And he's doing it for that person, doing it for that person. Every evil work comes from that. Yeah, yeah. Next verse. But the wisdom that is from above. This is what we want. First is first pure. Then it's Peaceable pure. There's, there's no ill thought in it. There's no evil thought in it. You're not doing it because someone else is doing it. It's come from God. You're led of God. It's pure. It's something that's just burning in your heart. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Oh, hallelujah. Without hypocrisy. Amen. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Hallelujah. What is the fruit, or what does the gift of wisdom from above bring? It brings the fruit of righteousness. It doesn't show discord, it doesn't sow evil. it doesn't sow all those kinds of things. Well, that's just their problem. No, the f- wisdom from above it sows righteousness. I'd like to take and contrast this just for a moment so you can see an example of it. As I was reading this last week about uh, Brother Branham in South Africa. I'll paraphrase it because I think you all know the story. and have read the life stories of Brother Branham. If you haven't read them, they're good. But we find that here he was. He went down into South Africa feeling led of the Lord to go. And he went down there. And when he was down there, they met the national committee. And they had a pre-planned itinerary for him. This is where we're going to do. This is what we're going to go. This is what's going to happen. And he finally prayed. And the angel of the Lord met him and said, listen, you're going to stay in Johannesburg two weeks. Then you're going to go hunting for 10 days. And then you're going to go down to uh, Durban, South Africa. You're going to stay there till I call you. That's what the angel of the Lord said. Furthermore, he gave him three definite signs. The first one was a native, a native person that would be dressed in a purple shirt that they would see this person almost at random, and Brother Schumann, the head of the National Committee, said, that's near impossible, I've never seen a native in a purple shirt. (laughs) Then the next one was that they would stop at the roadside at a street vendor, and there would be a woman, her hair would be pushed up back, she would have a definite scar on her forehead, and that would be another sign, and then on top of that, there would be, when they were there stopped, there would be a strange bird, come a, a screech and a strange bird cross the road, and that would also be a definite sign, three definite witnesses. That this was the truth. The angel of the Lord had truly met him. And now I want you to understand this for a minute because here's a national committee that, in the wisdom of man, decided what they were already going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And they thought they had God and spoke to them. Now, but here they come, and, and all of these three things happen where Brother Beta points out the person with the purple shirt, and he says, Oh, well, what do you know? Well, that's only one. So they go down, and as they're driving, the interpreter begins to say, Where's all the street vendors? Usually this stretch of highway is packed with them and there's hardly any here. Finally they pass one and Brother Branham says, hey, wasn't that street vendor you said you'd stop for one? Oh yeah, right. So he turns around and goes back to the street vendor, stops there and boom, it's a woman with a big scar up here, her hair pushed back, there's a big scar. Right then they hear a big loud screech and a, woman, and a, and a bird crosses the street. It turns out to be a wild peacock. And they go, well, that's, there's that strange bird I seen in the vision exactly like I told you. And the brothers go, well, it's coincidence. my. Could you imagine? No, 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 no. Imagine it for a moment. Let's just take an example here and say, if I was to come here this morning and say, Brother Bray, Brother God showed me that this wood is the wrong type of wood on the platform. And by three definite signs, you know, when we come here this morning, Sister Angie will be playing the piano, Sister Terry will wear her hair down, and Brother Harry will be sitting in an aisle seat. Now you'd look at me and say, yeah, those three are probably going to happen, Brother Andrew. I mean, seriously. When have they not happened? On a Sunday morning, Sister Angie plays the piano. Sister Terry, sorry to pick up, Sister Terry she always wears her hair down. And Brother Harold always sits on an aisle seat. So he might look at me and go, come on. But if I was to come and say, there would be someone sitting on the front row we've never seen before. They would wear spectacles of this color, wear this color of shirt, and they would have their hair done this certain way. And when you're on your way here this morning, you're going to set your alarm clock and it's not going to go off. You're going to have to rush to church to get up to get here. And when we get here, there's going to be a funny bird land on the back of your truck. It's going to look exactly like this. It's going to happen this way. And we're both going to go, oh, look at that bird. Now, all of a sudden, you'd be like, oh, hold on a second. Sunday afternoon, Brother Ray would be calling the emergency meeting of the trustees saying, brothers, we got to change that wood. <laughs> but here, this is exactly what happened. You're laughing because you're like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you? That sounds silly, but here's these brothers that sit there like three crazy things happen. They're like, eh, so what? By three witnesses. And now here God, God's beginning to make his wisdom known. The wisdom of God was, listen, I want you to stay in Johannesburg. Then you're going to go hunting for 10 days. Then you're going to come back and you're going to stay in Durban until I call you. That's my wisdom. But the wisdom of man said, no way, we can reach more people. Yeah. And we can keep our promises. And they were standing on what they thought was good promises because they said, listen, we've, kept, we've, we've made promises. We have to keep our word to be good Christians. Furthermore, they begin to say, do you really think, God, you're the only one that God speaks to? And what boggles my mind even more than that, when they get halfway down to the next city, leaving Johannesburg after Brother Brown's fought with them and fought with them and fought with them, finally he relents and says, okay, we'll go. And he's on his way down there and he stops. He says, stop the car. And they get on the side of the road. And now they're having this this whole same argument again. And finally, Brother Brown says, well, God does have a permissive will. And they jump on that. I mean, here's ministers, brothers, that are just jumping on that. Oh, yeah, well, that's good. Let's take the permissive will then. But that's the wisdom of man. It's built out of something that's that's not the love of God in their heart. But here they begin to have this great wisdom, and they go down there. Brother Brown says, he finally, oh, talk about the grace in the heart of the prophet of God. When when, when they get down there, and he says it's going to be nothing but trouble, and sure enough, the first meeting it's rained out. The next meeting, the next day, it's a cold front blows in. They got to cancel the meeting then too, and they're like, "Well, it's kind of strange, but you know what happens sometimes." And Brother Bannerman actually makes a statement: "Well, maybe next time will be an earthquake." And they just like scares them. But he says, "No, hold on a second. I just said that because it's possible. But let me seek the face of the Lord." And he begins to go to prayer with God, and he begins to pray, and God gives him signs as well to show him, I'll allow you to walk in my permissive will. This is now, he's walking in the wisdom of man, which was the permissive will of God. Amen. And he's walking down in this way, and he says, but you're going to pay for it. Now, Brother Brandon begins to realize at this point, this was the trap the devil set for him. This is the trap the devil has. He knows our weaknesses. We think it's going to be some great thing. Brother Branham thought, though, Satan's got a trap for me. There's going to be witch doctors there. There's going to be this happen and That happen. It's going to be some terrible thing going on, and I'm going to have to have some great faith battle. And No, it was the brothers that invited him there in the first place that Satan used to set the trap for him. Right. And my, well, what a hard place to stand in. Can you imagine standing in those shoes? You, you can't really imagine until you're really there, standing in those shoes, and there's brothers whom you love. And one brother, Brother Schumann, who, who at first, when he arrived there, he, he, this brother was skeptical of Brother Branham's gift. And God sovereignly showed him that his gift was true by talking about this man's daughter, who is sick. And Brother Branham says, he's healed now. It's okay. It's over. And it happened right like that. Then Brother Schumann knew that this gift was true. And still, he walked according to his own wisdom. I'm bringing this out for a reason here. Because here... Here is the difference between the wisdom of a man and the wisdom of God. There would have been so much peace. There would have been so much good. But God allowed him to walk in this way. They went from place to place. 1,500 people here. A couple thousand people there. A few thousand there. A couple of 500. Then they finally got down to Durban. And they get down to Durban. And by the, by the like, it's a Sunday morning meeting, there's 50,000 people there. And this is the only place that they've allowed the segregation laws to be weakened a little bit where they're just divided by, by white picket fences instead of they can't even come in the auditorium. Because every other place they went, it was only white Afrikaans or, or native Africans. It was only one or the other. They, they couldn't mix them together. They weren't allowed to do that because the, the law stated that they weren't allowed to. But in Durban, they allowed them to bring them all into one place together and just divide them with little white picket fences. And Brother Brown's looking at him like, can't you see this? Nobody else was allowed this. We could have reached so many more people. And he begins to come to them after the Sunday morning meeting, and, the, and the, all the testimonies that begin to happen, that one would come up before him, crossed eyes, and the crossed eyes were made straight. And a sister comes up, and she's just got a cyst on the ovary, and he says, no, you're actually going to die. Get yourself ready for death. And she goes down. She sits beside her husband, and she says, well, what do you know about that? And a few minutes later, a man stands up and comes up, speaks excitedly, and she says, that woman just died. Wow, you're gonna talk about the power of God moving? Yeah. The crowd says, "This is God. This is God moving here. This is what God's wisdom was all along. Come here. This is the place where I'm gonna use you. This is the place where it's gonna be used more than any of the other places. Well, why didn't we just come straight here?" He begins to look at the brothers in the national committee and say, "Can't you see?" Now they said, "Oh no, we're actually gonna fly you up to Rhodesia now." He's like, "What?" Can't you see what God's doing? Now you're going to take me way up 800 miles north, where there's nothing, and nobody, there's going to be 1,500 people there. Oh, but we promised this brother." And then we're going to go back for two meetings in, or one meeting somewhere else, and then two meetings in Johannesburg, and then we're going to fly you home. So, oh my, can't you see the wisdom of God? That's pure. It's peaceable. They had people that were divided by white picket fences that, after the Sunday morning meeting, they were walking arm-in- arm. In arm praising God, singing only believe, only believe, completely at peace, tribes that were before at war, now completely at peace, and these men are looking over and saying, oh, we got an itinerary to keep. That's what the wisdom of man is built out of. We got our minds, we got our jobs, we got the way we think it should be, my, there was a time when Cain and Abel were there. And they came to make their sacrifices at the east of the garden. They came up to do these things. And here it was time to do it. But Abel, by faith, offered up a lamb. Abel, by faith, offered up a lamb. It looked like a worse way to go. It looked like it was bloody, gross, it was, it was disgusting. There was all these things going on. They didn't have a sharp knife. He just had a sharp rock. But the man was saying, he's just hacking at the thing, trying to kill it, trying to get it up there to sacrifice it before God. But because he had a revelation yeah. that it wasn't fruits and apricots and potatoes and all these things. But Cain thought, no, oh, i got a better way. I've got my wisdom. It's a better way. And it's more clean. And it looks prettier. It'll make a better church. It'll make a happier people. It'll make everything so much greater if I just do it this way. But God said, that's not my wisdom. God's wisdom was, go get a lamb. Why? Because it wasn't the fruit in the Garden of Eden, praise the Lord. It was sex in the Garden of Eden. It was blood cells, the hemoglobin. It was all these things that God required blood to cover the sin. Ab- Abel, by faith, not by, the, not by the wisdom of man. By faith, seen it was that way. How is a man through wisdom, through his own wisdom, ever going to understand it when the whole Bible, the whole church of God is built upon divine revelation? As Jesus said to Peter, when he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, some say this, some say that, some say this. That was the wisdom of man. He begins to, begins to spew out of his mouth. Well, my brother's blessed this way. My sister's blessed that way. Therefore, Jesus, he, he's a blessing in this way. And Jesus is a blessing in that way. But what about you? What about what am I to you? Praise be to God. That's what the new birth is. What am I to you? What is your revelation of me personally? Not what Jesus is to this one and Jesus is to that one. What about to you personally? And he says, upon this rock, I'll build my church. That's not upon end time message. It's not upon you come to this church or you come to this message or you come to this one. It's upon this revelation. I'll build my church that so you and me alone, you will be found in me. Hallelujah. There would be a body made up of individuals. A body of Christ. You know, if we all begin to look, and I believe we're coming to this church, where we all begin to look and, and we get to have a personal revelation, a personal relationship with Christ, that's when every joint is fitly joined together and, and, and supplying, every joint supplying as he talks about it, and as Paul begins to talk about it, but but why? How does it come to that? It comes to that by you having a personal revelation with Christ, not by you figuring out what your place is. That's how you get. They get so much confusion. The wisdom of man saying, "Well, you know, brother Andrew's up there preaching, so maybe I, I can do a few sword drills. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, I I could I could play the trumpet. Maybe I could do this." No, let God bring you to your place. You exercise your talents in the best that you can do, and God will make room for the gift. Amen. Hallelujah, I didn't think I was going to be on this road, but listen, God always testifies of his gifts. Moses was a gift to the people, and it was God that testified of it. Moses, when he first thought, yeah, I'm the gift, I'm the deliverer, I'm the one that's going to do this, he ended up murdering an Egyptian. But then he went out in the wilderness and forgot all that. And God said, now I am sending you. I'm the one that's going to do it, Moses. This has nothing to do with you. I'm going to do through things through you that you are unable to do in yourself. There's no way in the world that Moses would ever thought in his wildest imagination, if I take this silly shepherd's rod and throw it down, it'll turn into a snake. God was doing that. Moses, I'm sure, many times had reached his hand into his bosom, perhaps to warm his fingers on the cold night, pulled it out and there was no leprosy. But when God said do it, he put it in and pulled it out, and there was leprosy. He put it in and pulled it out and it was clean again. God had to do it. God had to testify of the gift. Praise be to God. Oh, it's been that way all throughout when even Jesus was here. God's gift to the world, God's wrapped gift to the world. Jesus came. What did he say? He said, the Father, he testifies who I am. The works that I do, they testify who I am. If you don't believe me, believe the works. Why? Because it's not me. It's him in me doing the work. Why? Because there's never been a man. People want to look at it as, oh, it's a man. God sent a man. Yes, Oh my, okay, here we go. But now we have the, the, the children of Israel. They were down there. God told Abraham, your children were sojourning in a strange land about four years. Yeah. Right? It's in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, where he says, No, of a surety, thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. That's a pretty harsh statement. But I'm sure even in that, Jacob, thinking upon those words, when he gets the invitation from Joseph, he never had any idea how bad that would be. He says, serve and afflict them. Yeah, I guess I can see it be affliction because we'll be strangers. Maybe we'll be an outcast, you know. Maybe we'll have to serve them. Maybe we'll serve them in the king's palace. Because, you know, Joseph, he's he's the right-hand man to the king, so we'll serve him. Of course, that makes sense, right? And then we'll go down here. We'll, of course, it'll be a bit of an affliction because we'll be, we'll be outcast. We won't be like them. We'll have our own God. They'll be worshiping their gods and all this. He had no idea. Yeah. And when God said they're going to afflict you, it's going to be with a cat and nine tails. And you're going to be making bricks out of straw and mud. And we're going to whip you and whip you and whip you for 400 years. He had no idea what he was signing up for. But here, that was God's promise, but why did God allow it to come to that? God allowed it to come to that, to cause them to cry out. Yeah. Because if it was just servitude and maybe a strange people in a strange land worshiping Jehovah, anyways, they would have never cried to God, Send me a deliverer. But it had to be such an oppression, such a hard life, till they would cry out day and night, cry out to God, Lord, come. Lord, send a deliverer. Send somebody, you said you'd deliver us out of this. It's your time, and praise the Lord. Joshua Bed and his wife begin to realize. Ephraim and Joshua—they begin to realize that the time was coming; four hundred years was about up, yeah. and they begin to get serious with God. They begin to cry in such a way that God said, "I'm sending them a deliverer." Praise yeah. be to God. Did I get their names wrong? Okay, I did. Thank you. That happened on Friday, and they corrected me. So now they're now they're smiling at me. Amen. <laughs> hey By the foolishness of preaching, souls shall be saved. One of my favorite lines. When we get it wrong and we say a wrong name, you know. Moses built an ark. Which, F, by the way, he did. Just thought I'd back up Brother Red, there for a moment. It just wasn't a giant boat to float on water. It was the ark of the covenant. Now... I want to take a step back and then we'll jump back into that. It says, listen, the church in the 70th week of Daniel, Brother Branham says it's laying back in that condition. It only shows that this is just a period of time. Can't you see? God don't have things out of cater. That's quite a statement today. In the world that we live in, God doesn't have things out of cater. He's just letting it run like that for a little while. And I truly believe that that thing was done. And at this last day is when God is going to reveal these secrets to the church. It hasn't done it before. And the reason he hasn't done it is to keep the church watching and praying all the time. Sounds a lot like the children of Israel. Why didn't he deliver them? To make them cry to make them look to him, to make them turn to him. Why didn't he send the mysteries all the way down? That had to go through dark ages, had to go through the ages of man, where denominations are going to spring up all over the place. But they begin to cry out. They begin to watch and pray, waiting for what? Revelations ten seven. the last days when all the mysteries would be revealed. When would there come a man that would come under the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children back to the... Faith of the fathers. When would this happen? He said this, and he hasn't done it before. That's the reason he hasn't done it. It's to keep the church watching and praying all the time, not knowing when he's coming. But you remember in Daniel 12, he said, the wise shall understand in the last days. It's been given to him. The spirit of wisdom comes into the church to make known to the church by the revelation of the Holy Ghost. Bringing the church in and revealing what day that we're living in. The same as Gabriel came to Daniel. The Holy Ghost comes to the church in the last days to reveal these great, deep, secret things. Do you understand now? Notice what, is, what is he talking about. He's saying, listen, same as it was in Daniel where there came a definite angel to him in a vision and showed him exactly what was going to happen. So shall it be. The Holy Ghost coming into a people, leading them and guiding them into all truth. The Holy Ghost coming by what? A prophet yeah. that would agree with the Holy Ghost in the bride. And they would say the same thing yeah. because it's the Spirit saying it. It's the Spirit speaking through both of them, bringing them into one mind, into one accord for what purpose? To reveal these deep secret things that he could not reveal before, but now it's coming to this time. You see, well, it's already over, Brother Andrew, Brother Brown passed away in 1965, all the deep things were revealed. Uh-huh. Sure. Then how come the theologians don't get it? How come the great men of the earth don't get it? The men that have studied the message and what did they say Brother Brown went off in the last three years? Why did they say that? Because it was by revelation of the Holy Ghost. So, that what is it? It's the same thing over again where Jesus said, I thank you that you've hid it from the eyes of the wise and prudent. In other words, the eyes of the, wise, of the men that are wise according to the ways of this world. You know, I'm, I'm going to go here. Sorry, Brother John. Brother John sent me a, a clip yesterday because we were speaking about Goliath and David. And there's a man that they consider great nowadays. He does something called TED Talks, right? And he speaks, I don't remember his exact name. But he talks and people listen to him. You know, that's, that's really the wisdom of man. As long as someone will listen to you, you're considered a wise man. Regardless of how much gibberish and foolishness comes out of your mouth. If someone will listen, you're wise. So now that's, that's the earth, unfortunately, that we live in. It's the age of information. But now, here this guy begins to talk and he says, You know, I, I, I've always misunderstood the story of Goliath and David. He says, But now I get it. And he begins to try and explain away the power of God. My response was two things. Number one, he'd make a great wise man in the courts of the Philistines. And number two, it sounds exactly like the, like the man that came and was trying to explain away Jonah in the whale by saying, see, not even a baseball would fit, fit through a whale's throat. the Branham said, you don't even know your Bible. It said it was a specially prepared fish, yeah. not a whale. So here this man. I don't, I don't have any idea what version of the Bible he was reading because he said the Bible says that, he, that Goliath was led by the hand down into the valley. My Bible doesn't say that. Did yours? No, my Bible says that an armor-bearer went before him, yeah. bearing his armor. Yeah. And they tried to explain it. You know, the guy, did Goliath, he had a, a tumor, pituitary gland. That's why he grew so big and all these things. And also when that happens, people have double vision. That's why he said, oh, why do you come to me with sticks? Well, see, he said there's two sticks, not one stick. So he, he was seeing devil. <laughs> what? Have you never played as a child and said sticks and stones Would someone pick up one stick? Apparently not. In a deprived childhood, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not. But then then he began to try and explain it away in this way. He said, you know, and then the slingers of that day, they would sling it around and they would let that stone fly. It was like a 45 caliber gun hitting them. Wow, well, you forgot one thing. It was a ruddy boy. Not a man of war. It was a ruddy boy. I don't care if it was a piece of iron he put in that thing. It was a ruddy boy that said, I got this. I could go down and go. Furthermore, he says, the battle is the Lord's. Furthermore, why were they scared of the Philistines if this guy had double vision and short-sighted when the scripture says that he was the champion of the Philistines? So if that's their champion, double vision, short-sighted, and had to be led by the hand, they should have just walked over there and destroyed the whole army. Because if that's the greatest, what have they got? You see, but that's the wisdom of man that tries to look at it that way and trying to explain away the power of God. When really it was the battle is the Lord's, and God took the stone and God guided the stone right to its target, as Brother Banham said. You see, because man will take it that way because they want to take it. It's amazing how, like I said, on Wednesday, they've got so far up the tree of knowledge of good and evil and so far on this branch that it's bent right down till they're right back at the beginning. Because they're so far out on a limb somewhere. Why? Because they started out, well, we'll translate the King James Version to the New King James Version. And we'll translate to the NIV and then to this and then to this. And from that, we'll translate this and from that. And pretty soon, you don't even got the same words anymore. It's completely different, and then they're taking that and trying to discern the word of God off of that. It's like, well, you're so far, you're miles off, and we're gonna go back to the Greek from this version. We're gonna go take that back to the Greek. You're already ten paces removed. That's the wisdom of man to try and get it to go back this way. They're up on a branch and they've reached right back down, back to the beginning where they're like, well, I'm sure it was apples and oranges, so we better create an altar and we better make a sacrifice of apples and oranges and bananas and pomegranates and a beautiful thing to God because it's not about the power of God. It's about the fruit. But Abel, by faith, by revelation, caught, that there was a power there. There was something. There was life that came. There was a life that took place. That there was something seed that was planted. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Baban says in the message in, in the in church age book, Revelation, it's in the church age book anyways. He says... Uh, uh, The time is at hand. The time was not at hand previously. In the wisdom and the economy of God, his mighty revelation, though fully known to God, I believe I read this before, but could not come hitherto. For we immediately learn a principle. The revelation of God for each age can come in that age only and at a specific time. Look at the history of Israel. The revelation of God to Moses came only at a specific time in history. And even more specifically, it came at a time. It came, at a, it came, it came as the people cried unto God. Jesus himself came to the fullness of time. He, be, he being the complete revelation of the Godhead. And in this stage, Laodicea, and the revelation of God, will come in its due time. It will not falter, neither will it be premature. Think on this. How many times have we said that? Why didn't we see that before? It would have been premature. It had to come to a certain place at a certain time when there was a stepping stone. As Brother, as Brother Ed was bringing out, there's faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. There's something that gets capped on the top. Why can't I just have love? Because there has to be a foundation built up first for the love to come down and cap. Think on this and heed it well, for we are in the end time today. Now back to the chosen of Israel in bondage. It couldn't come right away. God couldn't, as soon as Joseph died, send a deliverer. It was not yet in its season. God said he would deliver them with a mighty hand. It wouldn't have taken a mighty hand for them just to turn around and go back. It had to come in his time. There had to come an affliction. There had to come a persecution about 400 years. It was exactly in Exodus 12 and 40, it was 430 years, the Bible says. We also find that there was a time between Malachi and Jesus, 420 years. Why was there a gap in there? Why wasn't God just sending the son right after Malachi? Just send the son and everything will be wonderful. No, he was waiting for the right season. He was God's gift. It had to come in a time, in a season where the people were crying out. Because they were crying out for deliverance from the Roman bondage. They were crying out for deliverance from all of the hardships that they had. They were looking for a deliverer. And there was many men that rose up and thought, well, I'll be the one. I'll be the one. And they'd failed. They'd failed. They'd failed. And the people began to cry out in themselves and say, well, but we want a deliverer. It's time for a deliverer to come. And when the deliverer came, they didn't recognize it. Yeah. Why? Because God sent. God didn't send. They wanted another Moses. That's what they were looking for. They wanted another Moses that would come. And he would show signs and wonders. And he would cast down a rod and turn to a stake. And he would cause darkness. And he would go up there to Caesar's palace. And he would say all kinds of things. That's what they wanted. But God didn't repeat that because that was the message in Moses' day. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. But then today, Brother Brown takes it in 1947, faith is the substance. He says there's thousands and thousands and thousands of precious saints of God suffering tonight. And they're crying and crying and have cried for years for God to restore the gift of divine healing to the church. And when God moved and the orbits 37 years ago, it's right back to his birth. He begins to put something in here right away. He says, the people cried and cried, and God moved and put a gift in my life at birth. And foreordained it and sent it. Many hundreds of people are passing by it without recognizing it, friends. Right. Oh, my, this is the first recorded message of Brother Branham, forty-seven. Faith is the substance. And here, here he begins to talk about it right here for our benefit. Say, listen, there was a sign that came. The answer to the cries of the people came. It's here right now. Don't miss it right now. It's here right now. God is moving. God has moved. We find in two times it was 400, about 420, 430 years. But then in this age, in the church age book, in the Philadelphia church age, Brother Brown says, I've already stated this age, the Philadelphia church age, melts into the last it is as Jesus said, I come quickly, and of the last age, he is going to finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Thank the Lord. It is not a 420 year from the time. But this is a short work. It will be a short work. I'll cut it short. Let's go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 and verse 28 says, For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed. (laughs) Hallelujah. We had been as Sodom and been like unto Gomorrah. Oh, the grace of God. Who are we to judge somebody, to look and say, "Ah, oh, they're lost. He says, except the Lord had left us a seed, except he put something in us to receive the word, we would have been just like them. We would have been just like Sodom. We would have been just like Gomorrah. But because of that seed, we have a hope. We have a peace that there is a short sure word that will be cut short for our sakes, lest we go out like Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, thank the Lord, he says, but but what shall we say then that the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, but Israel which followed after the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling block. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling block, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed." We know who that is, that rock of offense, that stumbling block, was our Lord Jesus Christ. That he laid that in Zion, that there was something there. He came to, to transfer the Jews from a, a law of righteousness into a law of faith. Righteousness by faith. That Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. But they rejected it. They were stumbled by it because of the way that it came. Because they couldn't receive that a carpenter, they called it a carpenter's son from Nazareth, was the Messiah. Because they missed the revelation that God was trying to reveal to them. They wanted the wisdom of man to say, this is how it will come. This is how it will be. We've got a pre-thought-out idea of how God's going to move in South Africa. But God said, no, that's not how it's going to be. Go to Durban, I'll move there. My goodness, it was the same way in the children of, in, the, in, the, in the Pharisees, when they were there, they wanted it a certain way. But God said, "No, I'm sending to you my son in a swaddling cloth, in a manger. It's so humble, it's so simple." Yeah. Yeah. And today, people are still looking for that seventh messenger. They're still looking for someone to come and bring and bring us back in that great theological way. But God said, I already sent it. Yeah. I sent it as a simple boy born in the backwoods of Kentucky. And I showed it by a supernatural sign that this was my sign. Yeah. This was the man that I sent to you. Yeah. Yeah. But see how these things will be dropped in. The man says in those thunders. Then you'll find out What that man and them people has been dreaming about. And all these things there will come to pass. Speaking of all the things, he's getting down to the end of his ministry here. This is in, uh, I believe this is in, oh my, I didn't didn't bring that part. But it's uh, Jesus Christ revealed in his own word. And here he begins to speak about it this way. He says, see, all of those dreams, all of the sun is what dreams? They had a dream and about Brother Bradham going up the top of the mountain being cut off. Look on this. Go down. A dream, honey, honey being or water being poured into the stone box and to put honey in it. Then it will hold it. And these streams running down. All of these dreams that they're having. He says, there'll be a time when you'll actually understand it. He says, see, it'll come to pass. You'll notice what them revealed and a great thunder a coming out of the skies. And of course, a whole bunch of you, you know that I know what that means. My. He says, but let's just wait till the time comes. For it too, he says, and it'll be more in season. Amen. Amen. He says, so now, We're going to read some of these scriptures here. Look, he says, now in the evening light time, we notice it'll have to be the same light that was in the morning. Because there's not one sun in the morning and another sun in the afternoon. It's the same sun the whole time. The same sun that's in the afternoon was in the morning, same in the mornings in the afternoon. Now it said the day itself, the day between that time is kind of a dismal dark day. Could not be called day nor night in between that, but that's the forming of the body from the feet coming up. Oh my. I want to take this two ways. First of all, is the sun. What is the sun? The sun is the word of God that we that we lay in to ripen. It says the same in the beginning, it's the same in the morning as it is in the evening it's to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the or hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers it's the same son. it's the same word but there also was a rain a former and latter rain a former rain or a teaching rain which was the same rain as the latter rain or the harvest rain it wasn't a different rain it's the same rain that comes out why because it's the anointing of the holy spirit but it's the anointing the word for its season Because in the, in the morning there was, the word was there to bring them to a certain level of maturity. But then it's the same rain now in the ending, but it's a harvest rain. It's made to bring forth the seed. It's made to bring it right back to the original. And it's the same sun. It's the same word. It's not a new word. We don't need an eighth-day messenger or someone to come and bring something that's not already in the Scriptures. That's why Brother Branham only preached what was already what Paul preached. Why? Because it's the same word. It's the same rain. It's the same one. But it's more in its season. Because now it's to bring a different level of maturity. It's not to bring the maturity as it was when they were there on the day of Pentecost. And they had a certain level of maturity. But now it's to bring a level of maturity that is calling a rapture. Now, that points back to election and origin. As we know, election points to origin. As it talks about in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. See, that goes back. Predestination. Where did you come from? You were predestinated for something. To adoption, you weren't just predestined to see something, predestined to be here at this time. You were predestinated to come to a maturity. Hallelujah. Not in your own self, because there's no way we and ourselves can come to a certain maturity, but it's because there's a sun and there's a rain. There's an anointing that comes to the Word of God to bring the maturity of sons and daughters of God in order to manifest them back so that they would be a spoken word bride. Now go back to Genesis chapter 1 as we're speaking on wisdom. Genesis chapter 1 in verse 1 it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now that's a wonderful scripture but 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 the wisdom of man looks back and says that's the beginning. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now in that, there's, there's a lot in that, in that verse in itself. You can say in the beginning, there's time. God created time. God created the heaven or space, which is also dimension of light, as Brother Branham calls it often. And earth, matter, dimension of matter. There's your three matters, time, space, and matter. Three dimensions, the first three dimensions. There's also a fourth mixed in in that, which now science has begun to, or not now, but years ago, science began to discover it, which was a dimension of science where they have television waves, and Brother Brown talks about a voices going through, and there's certain images going through. Right now, there's images going through this room in a fourth dimension that you can't see that would be perverse. But it's in another dimension. You would never want to see them, but somebody in the television says somewhere is watching them. Why? Because they've tapped into another dimension, which was created at the same time as these three, because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and in all of that was another dimension. But that's as far as man can go. They say that's the beginning and that's why science can never figure out the beginning because they go back to a big bang because to them this is the beginning. But in order to get to actually the beginning, you have to go over here to John chapter 1. I'm actually going to turn to it even though I think everyone here to the smallest child could probably quote it by heart. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. So here, John by revelation begins to go right back to the beginning. How in the world could he go back to the beginning here? Because John had it by revelation, because John was the one who was there on the Isle of Patmos. Yeah. And when John was there in the Isle of Patmos, he began to write in Revelations 1 and verse uh, 13 says, In the midst, in the midst, it go to verse 13, it says, In the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Clothed with a garment down to the foot with a gird of the paps, gird about the paps with a golden girdle. So here he begins to look at one and he says, That's like unto the Son of Man. So he's catching something by vision where he's beginning to see this is Jesus. This is the Word made flesh standing in the midst of the seven golden, ca- golden candlesticks. And if you jump all the way down to verse 17, Brother Mark, it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead and he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys to hell and of death. Now what's he beginning to catch? John could write, John 1, 1, because of this revelation right here that he began to catch. Here's Jesus that came to me and said, I am the first. I am before in the beginning. I am before time was created. I am before space was created. I am before matter was ever created. I am before science ever was. I am the beginning. And I am the end. Oh, what a revelation he begins to catch. I am the beginning before there was seven dimensions. When there was only one, the seventh in which God consists. I am that one. I am also the ending proving that at the end there will come a seventh dimension. (laughs) To take over the rest. Oh my. And John just writes it in cryptic revelation. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the same was made flesh and dwelt among us. Oh praise the Lord. What was he writing this whole time? He was writing about the Logos. If you go back into the Greek. In the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. The Logos is a word uttered by a living voice that embodies a conception or idea. Catch that for a moment. We speak words out of these dead lips that mean nothing. But the Logos is not a word like that. It's spoken from a living creature. It's a living word. It brings life. What it goes out to accomplish, it accomplishes. Amen. Praise be to God. That's what we said in the beginning. Was something that was spoken and brought to pass by an act of faith. Exactly what it was meant to accomplish. The Logos is a decree or a mandate of moral precepts given by God. Hallelujah so much in that. John could catch it by revelation. He could see beyond the realms into the realms of the unseen. This was not wisdom of man. This was wisdom that came from above. This is wisdom that preceded the seen elements of man where they could, they could try and figure out in themselves how David could defeat Goliath. But there was a man named David that went beyond the scene. And said, this ain't my battle, this is the Lord's battle. So John now began to look over into the unseen, beyond even what science could detect into a sphere of revelation. So why why are you going into this, Brother Andrew? It's real simple. Because I want, by the grace of God, if you could catch one thing, stop thinking the thoughts of man. Stop thinking the wisdom of man to try and figure out how this is all going to happen, how it's all going to come together, how you're going to go about your day. If I just do this, that'll work out. If we can be a people of faith to take God at his word, Abel had no guarantee that it would work. Abel didn't have anything. He had no scripture. He had nothing to look back to. But by revelation, he acted on his revelation of what God showed him. And God honored that. Amen. Amen. It's hard in the day we live in because in the age we live in, being an age of information, we really we, we, we want to try and think and figure everything out. We have to cross every bridge before we ever get to it. We have to know exactly the end from the beginning. We think in ourselves to be perhaps infallible because we believe that we can know what's going to happen. By our predetermined actions, we can predetermine the outcome. When in reality, we cannot because there's always intangibles that any scientific equation could not equate. And they and themselves, because Einstein created an equation, he created something to prove that there was a God. And then a man came, uh, um, I'm not going remember his name. He drives in a wheelchair and has an electric voice. Stephen Hawking, thank you. And he brought on another, another a theory to prove there was no God. Why? Because that's as far as the wisdom of man could go. They begin to realize in this there's intangibles they can't recognize, in this there's intangibles they can't recognize. They can only play with the numbers that they're given, try and figure things out. But there's something that goes beyond the wisdom of man. There's a sphere beyond the sphere or the realm of science that God operates in. It's called the realm of revelation, where He begins to impart it because we don't speak of the wisdom of man, but we speak of the wisdom of the hidden wisdom that God gives by revelation of the Holy yeah. Ghost. What John began to realize was that it was a revelation that could only come after the atonement was made on earth. Then God could begin to unreveal the unseen by revelation. God in times past would reveal it only to prophets. And they would speak to the people. But now once the atonement was made, once there was an atonement for sin, all those that would accept that atonement... God could begin to speak to them by revelation in a way that each one of us could have a personal experience with God. Let's close with Jeremiah chapter 29. Verse 4. This is a profound, absolutely profound set of scriptures because this is the letter of Jeremiah as he begins to speak to um, those that were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And even as, even as he's speaking to them, there's types in it that pertain to today beyond, beyond even what I comprehended before this morning. And still even more. Now, in verse 4. It says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem into Babylon. Now I want to set this up for you for a moment so you could understand, because election now points back to origin. If you're elected, if you believe you're a part of the bride of Christ, that when you look at it in Revelation 21 and you see a new Jerusalem descending from heaven as a bride adorned for husband, you're looking at that as that's me. What's that pointing back to? That's pointing back to say, I was there in the beginning. I was always a part of that city. I I always had a place in that city because I was in the thoughts of God and I was his attribute that was decreed to come out at this time so that way when I go back to God and that New Jerusalem comes down, I'm there. Because I'm, I'm elected to that because, God, I was already in him in the beginning. See, it's, it's, it, I, am, I am the first and the last. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and Omega. All that's in me was Alpha. All that's in me is Omega. Praise be to God. All that's in Jesus Christ. So here he begins to say this, this type. He says, listen, all you that have been carried away captives, we have for a space of time been carried away captives by our first birth. That we were put, we came from the mind of God, but down and given to earthly parents when we were born a sinful birth, captive to our own desires. That we're all here, this is speaking to us. You're carried away unto Babylon. Mm hmm. What's the age you're living in right now? Mystery Babylon. But he says this about it, verse 5. He says, build ye homes, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit of them. He begins to instruct them, say, listen, get settled. You're going to be there for a bit. Thank the Lord. Joseph had enough wisdom when he was there that he, that he asked for the, the good land of Goshen, and he got his family to build homes and to plant vineyards because he recognized you're going to be here for 100 years. You might as well get yourself settled in. I said, Brother Andrew, this is going to be a short work. Yeah, but this is still speaking to us. say, hey? don't worry about it. Live as though Christ is going to come tomorrow, but plan as though he's not coming for 100 years. So build yourself a home. Plant yourself a garden. Get yourself some potatoes going. Eat the fruit thereof. Yeah. And he says this, and he says, take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and takes wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there, and not diminished. Hallelujah. We're not an inclusive clique of the message. It's us, and this is it. We're just going to go to heaven this way. No. Increase. Witness. Bring more in. Let there be someone for your son to marry, someone for your daughter to marry. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Oh, verse 8, sorry. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. That's quite a statement. Especially when you take it to today. Today. How many people have tried to be a prophet? God's coming at this time. Don't hearken to that. How many people have had a dream which you've caused to be dreamed and put so much weight in it? Yeah. Till it's caused you to go astray. Yeah. When it was a dream that you caused, here Jeremiah's instructed them, stop trying to say, oh, I had a dream. We're going to be out of captivity tomorrow. And everyone, oh, praise the Lord. We're going back to Jerusalem. He says, don't believe that. The word of God says you're going to be there 70 years. You'll be there 70 years. Amen. That's a pretty short work. It says, and they prophesied I falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word of, toward you in causing you to return to this place. <laughs> Hallelujah says you'll be in captivity as long as the word of God says you'll be there but I remember my word to you I go to prepare a place for you if it wasn't so I would have told you I will come and get you the way you know I am the way the truth and the life stay in the word stay true stay faithful to the promises of God why because he said I will perform the work I will bring you back to where you were in the first place oh hallelujah For I know, verse 11, the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Oh, but you don't understand the hardship I'm going through. How difficult it is here in this life. My thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace. They're not of evil. My wisdom is not evil, sensual, devilish wisdom. It's peaceable. It's pure. It's good. It's holy. That's the wisdom that comes from above. That's the thoughts that come from above. Hallelujah, and verse 12 says, Then shall ye call upon me, ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. You shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me uh, with all your heart. Oh, hallelujah. What's he looking for? Why were the children of Israel afflicted in such a way? So that they would call unto him. Why did he wait 400 years to send the Messiah? He was waiting for them to be hungry. Praise be to God. He was waiting for them to want it. Then he sent it. He's waiting for you to really want a rapture. He's waiting for you to get so sick of this world till it's a cry day and night, even so. Come, Lord Jesus, come. How many of us are actually doing that because so often we just get comfortable in our day? The Ram would say, you give them the leftovers. We read that Friday night at Young People's. You give them the the leftovers. You have your hard day, and then finally you come down. And you're so tired. You give them three minutes of prayer at the end of the day. That's not a crying out. You're obviously not sick of it. Yeah. See, well, that's a rebuke. I, I gotta say it the way it is because I love you. You're obviously not sick of it. Why? Because you're so busy with the cares and concerns of the world that when it comes to the end of the day, I can preach this right back to myself, brother and sister, where I get so busy with the things and the cares of the world, I get to the end of the day, Lord, I'm so tired. Help me, Jesus. And that's the end of it. What about our daily devotion? What about our daily walk? What about our crying out today? What are we doing in the mornings? Yeah. What are we getting up? What about what about our cry? Young people, where was something in us crying out? Saying, there has to be a city. Yeah. Like Abraham, who was seeking a city whose builder and maker was God. Everything, his whole life was wrapped around it. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh my, at that time. He knows his thoughts towards you are good. He's not an oppressive God trying to push you down and say, listen, you got to pray this much. you got to read this much or you're nothing. No, he's a good God. His thoughts towards you are good. They're pure. He loves you. Oh, my, he's so merciful. He's so gracious. But saints, wouldn't you want to turn that back to him? He says in verse 14, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you again to the place from whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the one that scattered the bride so that there would be a representative of him in every nation, in every tongue. But there was there come a time that was spoken of in Revelation chapter 5 where he said, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book to open the seals. For thou wast slain, thou hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, every tongue, and people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. What did he redeem them from? Every kindred, every tongue, every people. Who put them there? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't happen chance. It wasn't because there was a, a flood and an ice age that pushed them this way and that way, and there was a war that drove the Germans over here, and the English came, and the French, and this and that. God put them there. Yeah. The wisdom of man says, oh, we'll go over here. But God has a plan all along. Praise be to God. God has a plan all along. It's not not a cater. God's got it all in control. Why? To bring his bride to a certain place so that there would be a testimony in every nation, every tongue, every people that we are more than overcomers. Oh, that there would be a witness that day. What a witness it'll be. Well, there's a body change. Yeah. It won't just be in Everton where a few days go by and they're wondering, hey, I thought I had some renovations booked. Where's that Ray guy? I called him and said, Be here. Monday, February 17th. Be here. Oh, it's family day. Maybe he'll come tomorrow. Wait till tomorrow. He's still not there. Where's that guy? I'm going to phone him up. No answer. That won't just be here. It'll happen in Vancouver. It'll happen in the United States. Yeah, It'll happen over in India. It'll happen over in Africa. Yeah. Where's that? Oh, Somebody said, I thought I said somebody. I thought I called for somebody. What's happening? Where's those taxes? Oh, think about it. Hope it's right at the end of the tax year. Yeah. It's just the way I am. So where are those taxes? They owe me so many thousands of dollars. Where is that person? Send the IRS. Send the CRA. Send whoever you want. They're not there anymore. Because God remembered his word. And he begins to gather up from all the nations that he's driven them into the place where they were driven out of. Oh, hallelujah. Back into a new Jerusalem. Oh, hallelujah. If the musicians would come. Wisdom. The wisdom of God. If you go back to the The Greek, it's Sophia, which is wisdom, but it actually comes from a word, phronismos. Or it means to be thoughtful, sagacious, discreet, a wise person, wise for God's wisdom. with me to Job chapter 32 I said I'd end in Jeremiah chapter 29 but I'm sorry I have to break my word trust you can forgive me thank you one person does Job chapter 32 I don't think I gave you this but the mark I did verse 8 Let's actually back up to verse 3. This is where Elihu begins to declare his opinion of the situation of Job. And he says, also against his free three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Sounds a lot like the wisdom of men. We can't really figure it out, but I don't agree with it, so I condemn you. That's the wisdom of men. It says, but now Elihu hath waited until Job had spoken, because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. And Elihu, the son of Bereshel, the the Buzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. How much would you like if I said that? But he says, wherefore I was afraid, and durst not show you mine opinion. He says, but I said days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. That's the wisdom of man saying, listen, listen to the sale, to the old sage, the old one that knows what's best. He's been through so much experience. But Elihu begins to speak up and said, I tried to do that. I tried to listen to that. Verse 8, he says, but there is a spirit in men. And it's and in the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore I said, Hark it to me, I also will show you mine opinion. What's he speaking on verse 8? There's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty. He's actually saying that there is a very divine breath and spirit there's a divine spirit, a holy spirit that can be a man. It's God imparting life and wisdom. Where God actually begins to, the spirit of Jesus Christ actually through Elihu begins to intercede on Job's behalf. And oh my, what a great topic! because here it is. It's Jesus in a man that was sent to another man with a message, with grace, grace. By what? By the very wisdom of God speaking peace. Praise be to God. That's what happened in our day when Brother Branham came. It was the wisdom of God in a man bringing a message to men to cry peace, peace, grace, grace. Hallelujah. That we've come to the end time. And there's judgments that no man can begin to understand. But there is a spirit. There is a God. That is able to reveal to you the deep mysteries. That is able to reveal to you a faith that can rapture these mortal bodies. Hallelujah. How can we pick up rapturing faith off these tapes? Simple, by getting in the Holy Spirit. Because that's the word that we're to lay in and to ripen in. But it takes the anointing of the latter rain to cause it to live. If you don't have any rain on your harvest, but you just got a whole lot of sun, it's going to die. It takes rain to bring life, to bring the Word of God to life. It takes the Holy Spirit. all oh, the wisdom of God. Let's stand together. Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure. Oh, love of God. God is greater fall. The love of God.